It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, last week, President Biden stunned a lot of people by saying that he wouldn't be running for re-election if Trump weren't doing the same thing. Hello from Texas, from which Jimmy Fallon has just departed on his way back to New York. I'm Paul Gleiser from Fox Across America Affiliate. Well, we like to claim flagship status, KTBB, Tyler Longview, Texas. Jimmy was here over the weekend to accomplish two very important goals. First, he spent a great afternoon Saturday uh, with KTBB listeners at Texas uh, Music City Grill and Smokehouse. A whole bunch of East Texans turned out to visit with the man, get their inserts for his soon-to-be-released book signed. It was then off to Country Tavern that evening for some of the best barbecue in Texas. And then on uh, Jimmy, his brother Mike, and uh, son Lincoln were at AT AT&T Stadium. We call it Jerry World last night to watch the Dallas Cowboys put a big hurt on the Philadelphia Eagles. We here in Texas don't know what to think. We're just off a World Series win for the Texas Rangers, who play literally next door to the Dallas Cowboys. And now the Cowboys are playing good ball in December. We don't know how to handle any of that. So the Fela boys are on their way back home, and it's you and me steering the ship today. So here's the A-block question for today, and I don't use the the word question rhetorically. I'm interested in your answer. Here's the setup. Was Biden's statement that he wouldn't be running if it weren't for Trump just another Biden verbal wild pitch, or is he paving an off-ramp for himself? And even even though the polls say that Donald Trump has the GOP base solidly behind him, Is that support enough to carry him over the finish line in the general? Polls suggest that the concerns I had uh, about that uh, topic, can he get over the finish line in the general, those concerns may have abated, according to to more recent polls. He's up in five of the six battleground states, last we checked. But And so the question is, is his nomination now inevitable, and do we really now start looking at that electoral map? So the question to start the show... Who will the nominees for each party be? And, and, the, and the second part of that question, who should the nominees be? Particularly the Dems, who do you prefer to face? 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. I really do want to hear from you. Nikki Haley, who according to a just-released Wall Street Journal poll, we just got this today, blows Biden away nationally by 17 whopping percentage points. Nikki Haley doesn't think Trump should be the nominee. You wouldn't expect that she would. She's running. Here she is, cut two. It's not about fitness. I think he's fit to be president. It's should he be president. I don't think he should be president. You know, I thought he was the right president at the right time. I agreed with a lot of his policies. The problem is, you see, our country is in disarray. Our world is on fire. And you can't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. And Donald Trump brings us chaos. So, on the other side of the aisle, Charlemagne the God on Comedy Central last week doesn't think that Joe Biden should get the Democratic nod. Here he is, cut five. This is Biden's ego talking, okay? If you think there are other people who can beat him, step aside. I I know he thinks he's got this in the bag, but the polls say otherwise. I want Biden stepping in to beat Trump the way I want him stepping in to defend me at a bar fight. 
I appreciate you caring, but I don't like our chances. Uh, Biden's not getting any younger. He's not going to get any more popular, and he's not getting a new running mate. So please, Mr. President, give America the ultimate Christmas gift and step aside. And, you know, and of course, Donald Trump said last week on the town hall with uh, with Hannity that was, uh, uh, was televised on, the Han- on Hannity's show, he said that if he, Trump, wins the nomination, he probably won't face Biden in the general election. Here's Donald Trump, cut six. Personally, I don't think he makes it physically. I watched him at the beach. He wasn't able to lift a beach chair, which is meant for children to lift. You can lift them like that. Uh, and mentally, I would say he's possibly equally as bad and maybe worse. Donald Trump, of course, a former president, running a Grover Cleveland campaign to become the first president since 1892 to seek a second term, non-consecutive term. He's the first candidate to be running for office while under four criminal indictments encompassing 91 felony counts. That's never happened before. Joe Biden is the first U.S. president to run with a close family member under criminal indictment while we're talking about indictments. He's likely going to be the first president to campaign for re-election while under an impeachment inquiry. What did Joe know about Hunter's business dealings? A lot more than he ever wanted to let on, most people think. Here's Jonathan Turley on Hannity last week, cut 14. There's a more serious problem here, and that is what the president knew of was not business dealings. It was corruption. That's what influence peddling is. The United States has pushed international agreements uh, to stop influence peddling in other countries. The United States believes it is a leading source of destructive corruption. And if the president knew that his family was engaging in that type of corruption, of course it's serious. How, you know, the thing is, how could he not know? I mean, who, who, who sentient human being, who doesn't believe that he knew? You know, and, and because of that, the blue wall's starting to show some cracks. What does it say about Democrats' support for Joe Biden when Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, is saying things like this about the whole Hunter deal, cut 11? I think it's legally justified. I think this is a very troubled individual who has uh, who, who has uh, done things that are worthy of prosecution. And so I look forward to that case continuing. I think ultimately the American people understand that Hunter Biden is not going to be on the ballot next uh, fall, that Joe Biden is going to be on the ballot, and that this is a president who has led an economic recovery that has been pretty unprecedented. That's, I think, going to be what matters to the American people. Well, so he hopes. You know, and former Obama strategist David Axelrod was on CNN last week. And for once, I actually kind of agree with him. Cut 16. This serves Donald Trump's uh, purposes because he'd love to muddy the waters and suggest that the whole system is a swamp and uh, uh, and uh, point fingers in a lot of different directions. Uh, so it's it's just one more thing that's going to make it a, a messy, a messy, messy campaign year. You see, the thing is, David, I said I kind of agree with you. Trump's not muddying the waters. The waters are muddy. The the waters are muddy on their own. There's a whole lot of mud and uh, and other things in the water we won't say here on a family show. The waters are muddy, and it's not Trump doing it. It is the fact that um, we have what what appears to be criminal behavior 
on the on the part of the son of the president of the United States that by all appearances benefited the president of the United States. That's what muddies the water. And and David, it is a swamp. It is a complete swamp. That's how Donald Trump won in 2016. If it weren't a swamp, and if the people in the in, in the heartland of the country didn't know it was a swamp and didn't think it was a swamp, he never would have won. It is a swamp. So the thing is here, how much crazier can this thing get? Did you ever think you would see an election year like what's coming? Well, here we are, 35 days away from the Iowa caucuses. Preseason is over. The games are starting to count, so who's it going to be, and who should it be? Who should be the Democratic nominee? Who do you want to face? Would you rather face uh, Joe Biden, a, a befuddled, diminished guy? Is he easier to beat than a young and vibrant Gavin Newsom if they were suddenly to draft him at the Democratic National Convention? Don't forget, the Democrats aren't, uh, aren't bound by such trivialities as voting and primaries. They can pick whoever they want. That's why they have superdelegates. And if superdelegates doesn't get who they want over the finish line, they'll create double secret superdelegates. So the Democrats are going to pick whoever they want. And they, you're seeing you know, some signs that that's going on, that a lot of Democrats don't want Joe Biden as the nominee. If you on this side, listening to this show, don't want to see a Democrat win in, in 2024, who would you like to run against, and who should you run against that person? Who should the Republican nominee be? Who should the Democratic nom- nominee be versus who will they be? That's the debate here, 888-788-9910, 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. We have a big show coming up today. Miranda Devine's going to be here later this hour, in hour two. We have Andy McCarthy. He's a former assistant U.S. attorney. He can speak to all of the legal problems facing everybody in this drama. He's a Fox News contributor, frequent guest on on this show. And then in the third hour, it's Tudor Dixon, who should be governor of Michigan. She's not. She lost to Gretchen Whitmer. But instead, she's going to join us here. And throughout throughout all of this, it's you and me and what's on your mind at 888-788-9910. Who's it going to be? On both sides of the ballot come November, and who should it be on both sides of the ballot come November? 888-788-9910. Proud Texan. Proud pal of Jimmy Fallon sitting in here on Fox Across America. Stick around. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A very inventive, troubled comedian. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It is Fox Across America. Paul Glinder sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy's on his way back to New York from having been here in Texas over the weekend. We had a bang-up good time. So it's you and me doing the show today at 888-788-9910. Uh, I, the, the setup here today is who are the nominees going to be? And the second part of that question, who should they be? I can tell you this. I don't care who wins. The ethos of this show as done by its host, Jimmy Fela, is we don't care who wins as long as the country wins. 
and the currently currently the country is not winning. So we need somebody else. Who's that going to be? Are the Dems going to stick with Joe Biden? It, it's, I'm with Trump on this. It's hard to imagine that he that he gets there, but so far I don't see a scenario. There's no there's no nothing you can see coming that says he won't be the nominee. The Democrats could make a decision at the convention to pull the plug on him because that's the way the Democrat system works. It's hard to imagine looking at the poll numbers that Republicans won't nominate Donald Trump. It looks like Donald Trump will be the GOP nominee. Is that the best thing for the country to win? 888-788-9910. Jeff in upstate New York, you're the leadoff caller. What do you say? Well, I think that uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden is what it's going to come down to um, for the primaries. But you think you think Biden he, makes it makes it all the way to you know, the uh, summer and, gonna, and the convention, think, and then the November. I think he will. I don't think he's going to be any better off than he is today. He's probably definitely going to be worse. Um, but I think they're going to push him either way. Uh, if it is Trump who's nominated. Um, but in my opinion, I'd rather not see Trump. I voted for Trump the last two elections. Uh, I like what he does. He says what he's going to do, and he holds his ground. But I think myself, along with a lot of other people, are sick of the uh, Russia scandal, and it's just a continuous scandal from the left when it comes to Trump. And the argument, uh, let me jump in there, Jeff, the argument that, that, that su- supporters of Trump would make, and it's not a terrible argument, that the Democrats and the media will cook something up on whoever we nominate. Uh, they might. Um, that's just how they operate, and my, you know. So then, why uh, not? So why not go with the guy that they've already they've already fired their best shot at and haven't been able to bring bring down? Well, I'm that's going to be the argument. That's a bad thing. But but in my personal after, I, I'm going off of let's say the last debate. Um, you know, I think somebody who's well overlooked. Uh, that I think could put up a good fight is Ramaswamy. And I think there's a silent majority out there of conservative voters who like what the guy says. Guy, you know, your voters in your 20 to 40-year-old range can relate to this guy. And the reason why is, for one, he's extremely educated. He has sound answers when it comes to everything. Um, he has to fight back against the career politicians on the stage. That's his only choice uh, because they band together. And that's they're part of the swamp. Trump has always discussed Haley, DeSantis, all of them. Uh, Chris Christie. Uh, I honestly think Ramaswamy uh, is getting a, a low blow from the media outlets. They do not want him to have a voice. No different than they didn't want Trump to not have a voice when Trump first ran for election his first time in 2016. Yeah, Anything but- they could do to cut him off. They would, and they're doing the same thing to Ramaswamy. Yeah, but Ramaswamy is polling in single digits, Jeff. I mean, it's, polling in single digits, but I don't take one of those polls for a grain of salt. I've oh, never some been of the, polled, you, you, and a lot of people have never been polled. It's well, it's it's well. Chances are you will never be polled because there's no way in the world we could the the, the polling industry can poll everybody. It's it polling is uh, the the art and science of it is to take a relatively small sample and projected upon the entire population. So chances are you'll never get polled. But, you know, you can't ignore the polls. And then let me go back on something you said. You think DeSantis is part of the swamp. I don't. I can see, I argu- I can see arguments where people think that Haley is a, is a part of the, of the establishment. Certainly, Chris Christie, you can see that argument. I don't think DeSantis is. 
And frankly, I'm completely blown away, shocked by how poorly DeSantis has done uh, since oh, he announced. Well, I'm not saying I'm against DeSantis. I just think the person who has the best uh, defense for not being involved in politics, they have nothing to go after. What can they what what scandal can they come up with for Ramaswamy? Like they did for Trump. What's they can the, dig deep and find tons of things to do with the state of Florida to throw against DeSantis. They can find tons of things to throw against Haley. They can't find nothing to go against Ramaswamy. Which means, uh, which, means they um, which means they'll they will make something up. The uh, Russia collusion thing the, was 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 completely made up. It 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 had it it, it had only the tiniest little grain, the most minuscule little tiny piece of probable cause it was completely made up they'll make something up that's the thing i'm not people have been all over me i've been doing this show i fill in for another talk show here in texas where i express some concerns about donald trump they think i'm not i'm 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 against donald trump my concern about donald trump is uh, the, his palatability to independents and moderates and suburban women and the places where we know he's weak. But I will say, I will defend him to the death that the stuff that has been thrown at him has been completely made up out of whole cloth for the vast majority of it, including some of these idiotic prosecutions. And the and they the, the Dems and the media, I don't think, will have any compunction at all about doing that to whomever the Republicans nominate, that being the case. No, they won't. But here's the thing that I, I, I honestly believe. People have become smart. The media has blown their cover. People since 2016 have now seen through the elections, through COVID, through all sorts of processes. Yeah, yeah, they've, seen, they've seen the shady business that the media does. It's never been so divided. Prior to 2016, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I would I would turn on a channel and watch CNN once in a while. I would see Anderson Cooper get their takes on things. It's so divided now. You know right where they stand. You know right where Fox stands. You know where everybody stands and what they're hiding. It's never been like that before. So they're they're. Of uh, possibility of coming up with stuff, people are going to take it with a grain of salt, not as fact anymore. You're, you are correct in, in, in going this far, Jeff. <clears throat> Pardon me. More eyes are open today than were in 2016. More people know of the corrupt nature of the legacy of the corporate media than knew of it. Um, all of that is true. The question is, do enough people know in order to have them cast an informed vote if they're voting between two people that they otherwise might not like, if they're choosing uh, based on personality and style, which a lot of people do. Hey, Jeff, appreciate the call. Good leadoff call. 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. We have Miranda Devine coming up after the bottom of the hour break. We hope you will uh, stick around because there's a lot more to come. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
It's the morning show that uh, overslept. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here from Fox Across America affiliate. KTVB, Tyler Longview, Texas. Let me uh, throw two plugs out. Number one, I've got, number one, I've got to tell you, I, um, I've seen uh, some of the uh, excerpts from Jimmy's upcoming book, which you can pre-order right now at uh, Fox Books, uh, yeah, foxnewsbooks.com. Uh, I would recommend you do that because what I've seen is brilliant stuff. It's Jimmy Fallon, quintessential Jimmy Fallon, and it's great stuff. And number two, I'm going to plug my own thing, youtellmetexas.com, where I say what I think and invite you to say what you think. That's why we named it that. You tell me. You don't have to be from Texas. It's youtellmetexas.com. Meanwhile, telling me is our guest, Miranda Devine from the New York Post. Miranda, thanks for coming on board. Oh, it's terrific to be with you, Paul. Good to have you again. Listen, you got to feel vindicated uh, with the, uh, by the, the fact that um, Hunter Biden is finally under indictment for things that he did in connection with all those things that were on the laptop story that you broke just days before the uh, 2020 election. How does that feel? Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't say vindication is the word I would use. Uh, I guess it's like part of a, um, a long and tortuous process of I guess the American people seeing the sort of cover-up that's been employed uh, from the DOJ, from um, you know the prosecutors in Delaware, from the FBI, from even the CIA, to protect Joe Biden and ensure that he won the election in 2020. And um, you know it's really not about Hunter Biden so much as it's about Joe Biden. And unfortunately, of course, this indictment is completely silent on Joe Biden. And that's by design. That's because um, David Weiss, the US attorney in Delaware and his team, just made absolutely certain that every investigative avenue that would lead to Joe Biden naturally, as so many did, um, was never covered and they were all blocked. And that's why those IRS whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and um, Joe Ziegler, were forced to blow the whistle and basically blow up their own careers. And these guys are the creme de la creme. They are the absolute epitome of the uh, public service servant of integrity and they just could not rest while this injustice was going on when you know they'd locked up Americans for Joe Ziegler for 16 years for doing the same or less than Hunter Biden had in terms of cheating on his taxes uh, allegedly um, and uh, and to let him off scot-free just rankled with them. Well, listen, you went down a long list of people who, uh, not people, but organizations and people who covered it up. You left out what I think is a key one, and that is fellow practitioners of your art in the news media. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, you're so right. And they're still covering for Joe Biden. It's just uncanny. I mean, first of all, they refused to cover the laptop story that we broke, as you said, three weeks before the 2020 election. Um, They said it was debunked. I remember CNN, Jeff Zucker, there was a fantastic um, uh, sort of leak from one of his news conferences that Project Veritas got. And he was saying, no, don't cover the story. He was telling his news executive, this is old, this is debunked. Um, And so that's what happened. And of course, with the assistance of 
uh, Facebook and Twitter that censored our story and then those dirty 51 former intelligence officers, mostly CIA, who lied and said that the laptop and our story was Russian disinformation. But it took them then months after the election, the New York Times was first out of the block to even admit that the laptop was real. But even then, they always had this little paragraph in there, you know, five or six parts down saying, oh, well, of course, there's no evidence that Joe Biden was involved. There's so much evidence. It's just overwhelming. And now that James Comer and the House Oversight Committee and the other Republican-led committees um, are uncovering even more um, damning information, bank records, payments to Joe Biden that are dressed up as loans, um, and, and his intimate involvement in this influence peddling scheme that his son and brother were running around the world with corrupt and adversarial regimes. Um, you know, Joe Biden met these people, he had dinners with them, he had breakfast, he invited them to breakfast at the vice presidential residence. Um, he met them in Beijing, he met them in DC, he met them, he dropped into meetings of the Chinese at the Four Seasons. Um, you know, there's just so much of his being involved. And yet, somehow, because he's got this artificial plausible deniability where he doesn't actually talk, you know, when he's when he's on the phone, on the speakerphone with Hunter Biden and his foreign benefactors, uh, because he doesn't talk about, you know, specifics about the deal. Oh, that's okay then. It's incredible the way the media just excuses every step of the way as the White House's excuses evolve from being Joe Biden knew nothing, never talked to his family, that he was walled off from his family's business to now. It's, I think the latest one is Joe Biden's not in business with his family. Um, and the media just rolls with it. Uh, you know, supposedly speaking truth to power from these elite august institutions of the fourth estate. And yet they just cover for Joe Biden every step of the way while finding every single you know, misdemeanor that that uh, Donald Trump supposedly has um, caused, and they just they they're forensic and brutal on that. They cannot forgive Donald Trump for you know jaywalking, and yet they give a complete pass to the president, whose family got millions of dollars, which means from from countries like China, which means he is compromised. Miranda Devine, the New York Post, is with us. Miranda, I want to I want to play you a, a, a cut here, get your comment on it because it's not just the it's not just the Democrats, it's not just the media. Here's um, Mitt Romney um, uh, from Meet the Press, um, and and where he sees this. Just get your thoughts. Cut ten, guys. Have you seen any evidence that President Biden has committed high crimes and misdemeanors? No, I I, I don't uh, see any evidence of that at all. Uh, I think before you begin an impeachment inquiry, you ought to have some evidence, some inclination uh, that there's been wrongdoing. And so far, there's nothing of that nature that's been provided. There's no inclination of wrongdoing? What do you... Huh? Incredible. Um, You know, but Mitt Romney is just long disqualified himself uh, as being a Republican. You know, really, he's just, I guess, still bitter and twisted about... mm, failing to win that election against Barack Obama. I mean, really, the guy's um, living in a bubble. He must just talk to his Democrat friends because 
um, he just hasn't, obviously doesn't read the New York Post. Um, that's probably his problem. He reads the New York Times or he reads the Washington Post. He's really lost touch with reality. You know, the thing is, you know, if he doesn't know, he should know. If he doesn't know better, he ought to know better. And my problem with Mitt Romney and my problem with the Democrats who, who continue to stonewall this story is it's not a matter of who wins the presidency. It's a matter of does the country win, and the country cannot win if it has a compromised um, corrupt and and I'm going to go out and say it criminal president in the office. Yeah, well, that's right, and you know we have to have standards. Um, yeah, influence peddling is as old as Washington itself, but Joe Biden is the past master of it, and um, and you know the hypocrisy of the man to stand up at the debate against Donald Trump and say look down the barrel of the camera and say to the American people, you know my character, you know his, you know you know that I'm m- much superior morally, basically. Um, and he's not at all. I mean, this is a man of very low moral character. And so I think at the very least, the American people need to understand that. Then they can choose whether they vote for this person. But um, I think the Republicans in the House, James Comer, Jim Jordan, um, Jason Smith, are doing an excellent job and against heavy weather within their own party, which I think is despicable. And when this, um, you know, it's just a vote to formalise the impeachment inquiry and to give James Comer a little bit more power, a little bit more persuasion ability when when they have to contest these subpoenas that are being ignored in court um, and also to allow him to give witnesses immunity because a lot of them, a lot of Hunter's former business partners are concerned themselves that they might uh, face charges for money laundering or something. So they need to be assured that anything they say will not be held against them. And um, so that's what it's about. And if there is a single Republican who doesn't vote yes for that, then I think they need to be examined because they're not doing it on the facts. They're doing it based on they're either being bribed by the Democrats with some cushy job uh, in the future or um, they're being blackmailed because there is no logical reason why you would say no. And in fact, I'm... Uh, thinking that there should be Democrats that vote yes to an impeachment inquiry. They should want all the facts to be on the table, um, whether they're for Joe Biden or against him. It is in everyone's best interest to see the truth. And there have been so many lies told by Joe Biden um, over the years about his involvement. I mean, our very first story in October of 2020 was an email from Hunter Biden's Ukrainian benefactor uh, thanking Hunter for introducing him to his father the night before. And we didn't know at the time, but found out subsequently that what he was talking about, this Ukrainian, was a dinner that Hunter had organised at Cafe Milano in Georgetown in a private room for his father to meet his business associates from three different countries, Ukraine, Kazakhstan and Russia. And Joe Biden denied that he had met this, this Ukrainian. His, his campaign just blew in the face, lied and lied and lied. And then after the election, after I wrote the story about Cafe Milano and the Washington Post decided that they were going to prove me wrong by fact-checking me with their lying Pinocchio fact-checkers, um, 
asked the White House and the White House had to tell the truth. Yes, Joe Biden went to that dinner, but hey, he only dropped in for a short time and, you know, he didn't do anything nefarious. Well, that's a lie as well, because people who were there said that he was there for the entire dinner. So don't pretend and don't pretend that just because you don't talk about actual business deals that Hunter's doing, uh, you might talk about the weather. It doesn't matter. The whole point is that, that Hunter has demonstrated that he can get the vice president of the United States to come to dinner and give access to these shady characters from around the world. So the per- the question that I think escapes people who uh, who move in the those elite circles you describe, Miranda, Miranda Devine from the New York Post with us. I think what escapes them and, and the elite set of, in, there in the in the media bubble there in New York where you are is the guy who uh, owns an auto mechanic shop in Wichita, Kansas, who's see- who's seeing all of this and saying, okay, what did Putin and Xi Jinping and Ukraine and all these shady characters, what did they get for their money and are they still getting it? Well, yes. I mean, that's that's the question and we don't know the answer to that. Um, You can only surmise um, and I don't know if the investigators will be able to do that. You know, unfortunately, you know, Congress isn't really set up to do these kind of law enforcement investigations. This should have been um, the province of the DOJ. And unfortunately, all these uh, tips and warnings that came into the DOJ, uh, unfortunately, during the Trump administration, got funneled to Delaware, where they went to die, basically. Um, there was uh, so much de- blocking. Of all the places to send things about Joe Biden, you send them to Delaware. Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. incredible. And in fact, Joe Ziegler, one of the IRS whistleblowers, um, testified that there was actually a robust uh, debate and argument that he was trying to have with his bosses that, no, don't send it to Delaware because these um, you know, infringements that he was investigating are actually in Washington, D.C. So why would you send it to a jurisdiction that doesn't have um, you know, an ability to charge in D.C.? And, of course, that was one of the excuses that um, David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, yep. used yep. to yep. not charge and you know and and to let the statute of limitations run out on the most serious charges from 2014 and 2015 which would have included FARA violations and money laundering but particularly relating to the Ukraine grift and that Ukraine grift is where Joe Biden is most vulnerable and uh, so of course that's been taken off the table so all we're left with is this sort of limited hangout which is yeah you know Hunter Biden didn't pay his taxes. Um, he he uh, allegedly um, made fraudulent returns by um, claiming expenses for you know prostitutes and um, sex club memberships and things that obviously aren't tax deductions. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you know that that we're supposed to feel sorry for him because he was a drug addict and. Yeah, um, he wasn't yeah. a drug addict when he filed those fraudulent, allegedly fraudulent tax returns. Is, is, that, is was, that his dad's excuse too? Because the money came flowing through. Is that his his uncle's excuse? You know, with, uh, poor poor Hunter. What did you guys do with the money? Hey, I got about twenty seconds left, uh, Miranda. Where do you where does this go next? Do you think? 
Well, um, I think the impeachment inquiry, I think that should should go through and then that gives uh, Comer and Co a bit more power. Um, I think they've got some uh, pretty brutal witnesses coming in January that will uh, really cause heartache to the Biden team. But, you know, never underestimate Joe Biden and his and Hunter Biden and all these dark money groups that are funding the uh, the lawyers, the very expensive lawyers, um, they always come up with something. They control the narrative, um, and that's crucial, um, unfortunately. So uh, I think we're, we're in for arm wrestles to come. But, all right. you know, bit by bit, the, uh, the damning information does make it to the public, and you can see that in the polls. Miranda, I've got a... Yeah. I've got to jump, but I totally right. agree with you. I really appreciate the time today, and I, I think you're right about all of it. And thanks for being a part of the program. Pleasure. All right. Hey, Fox Across America continues after the break, 888-788-9910. If you want to weigh in, stick around. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fela, the nominal host of this show, is on an airplane headed back to New York. It is I, Paul Gleiser from KTBB, Tyler Longview, Texas, filling in for Jimmy today. And I, I, I absolutely want to hear from you. And if you're on hold, we're going to get to you at the top of the next hour. 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. You need to put that in your phone. Keep it there. Uh, I want to hear from you uh, on the on the leadoff topic in the here in the first hour. That is... Who will the nominees be? Does Biden make it to the finish line in in the summer at the Democratic National Convention, or does he get taken out and replaced? A little, quite a bit of Democratic sem, Democratic Party sentiment to find somebody else for fear that the, the Joe just keel over both between now and November of next year. And Donald Trump looks like he's unstoppable uh, for the Republican nomination. Is that the right thing for the Republicans? Or should it be somebody else? Who will the nominees be? Who should they should they be? 888-788-9910. As I say, if you're on hold, we're going to get to you. If you're not on hold, get on hold. We'll get to you. Here on Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fela. There's more of the show coming up. I do hope you'll stick around. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Absolutely it is. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy. Jimmy's on his way back to New York. He spent uh, the weekend here in Texas uh, eating great barbecue, talking to uh, local East Texas listeners, listeners listeners to my radio station, KTBB, uh, eating Country Tavern barbecue, and then watching the Dallas Cowboys put a major hurt on the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Uh, a, a couple of things out of character. Number one, I thought it would be a close game, but I didn't think it would be a blowout, 33-13. And number two, it's the Cowboys. It's December. I mean, they're supposed to lose that game, and instead they won it decisively. And so now that brings us to today, me filling in, doing the show today here for Jimmy. He'll be back tomorrow. But meantime, it's you and me and the phones at 888-788-9910. The question on the floor, who's going to be the nominee and who should be the nominee for both parties? 888-788-9910. I just want the country to win. I don't care who wins as long as the country wins, and the country is not winning. And we should be winning. We've got a great team. We have all the resources in the world to win. We should be winning, and we're not. So I want the country to win. What do you think? 888-788-9910. Jeff in Alaska. You've been patient. You're next on Fox Across America. What say you? 
Well, I'm pretty sure I think Biden's going to be the candidate for the Democratic Party. And the reason why I say that is he has to run in order to protect himself. Uh, and the other thing, too, is whoever the shadow. <laughs> so you're running. You, he's running to preserve uh, prosecutorial immunity. He's you know, to keep the hounds at bay, you're saying. Yeah, he, he's he's he has to run. I think that's what's actually keeping him alive. Uh, he needs it to protect his family, and I also think the uh, the shadow puppet masters behind the scenes that actually give him his cues and stuff they don't want to relinquish power. So I think I think Biden will be the candidate for the Democratic Party, and I believe uh, I'm pretty sure Trump's going to be the next nominee for the Republican Party. As for the other yeah, candidates, so let, me, let, me let me stop you. Party, yeah, let me stop you right there, Jeff, before you go to your next thought. More than half of Americans don't want that. Polls say that more oh, than I half of Americans don't. don't want, do not want a Trump-Biden rematch. I, I know they don't, but I, I don't think we're going to have a lot of say in it, to be honest with you. I really don't. Not with ballot harvesting and all this other stuff. I, I just don't see it. And and when you look at the other potential candidates, only two of them, I believe, are actually running for president. And that's Nikki and DeSantis. Uh, Chris Christie is somehow a Democratic act now. That's the way he comes across. His sole purpose is is to just say badmouth Trump. I I think what's going to happen is I think it's going to be Trump. And I think Vivek from Swami, I think he's he's not running for president either. I think he's running for VP. And here's here's my thought on that. Donald Trump's a smart guy, and and Vivek's a smart guy. They're both business guys. They're not career politicians. Donald Trump knows that he's only in for four years, so he's kind of like a lame duck. But he's got a pro, he's got a he, he's got a guy that can a protege that can follow him up for another eight. I just I me personally, you know, everybody everybody on that panel, with the exception of Vivek, has talked bad about Donald Trump one way or another, and the only one that's come to the defense is Ram Swamy. And you know what? Your your other caller an hour ago said the same thing. I think there's a silent majority of people out there that gravitate towards this young man's answers because he, he he's sound. He really is sound. And and uh, the media is playing him like he's some nut job and, you know, he's all belligerent and all this. He has to be that way. He's the only one up there that's not a career politician. And if we notice something here, right, when we look at our economy and we look at how everything was under Donald Trump, it was actually pretty darn good. And whenever we get a career politician up there, they always turn everything to to dookie. It's just I I think it's going to be a Trump buyback against – Biden and Kamala Harris. So, you, so you, see, you, see, you see Vivek Ramaswamy as the VP pick for Donald Trump, the nominee. Okay. I do. Here's the, ni- here's the nightmare scenario that, that I, I see. First of all, I, you're right. Trump will enter office uh, as a second-term president, um, even though it's non-consecutive. He'll enter office as a second-term president. And second terms a lot of times don't go as well. There's going to be – the there will be an enormous amount of drama if Donald Trump wins the presidency, and there will be 
the the permanent federal bureaucracy will do everything they can to sink him. Uh, the, uh, the the departments will do everything they can to sink him. The media will do everything they can to sink him. And I don't think in four years, I don't think it, the four years is enough time to clean out the rot at the DOJ, to clean out the rot at the FBI, to get the Department of Defense back as back to fighting wars instead of running a social science experiment. I don't think four years is enough time. You need a long run. You need a you need a, a, a minimum of two terms to get that done. And Trump will only have one. And and and, and my fear is that if it's if it's if it's and I'm not saying it's going to happen. And it's not. This is not anti-Trump. But here's my fear. Jeff, that it is Trump, yes, and the drama is so intense, and the chaos is so intense that the that the public is just repulsed by it all, and elects a Democrat four years in 2028, and we haven't had time uh, to clean out all the problems. That's my fear. You know, you know what? That, that's a very that's a possibility. I, I can't say that that's not viable, a, a viable possibility. But let's look at something else too. Donald Trump was president for four years. We had a Congress that was dedicated. That's all they did for four years was was go after Trump. But Trump got so much stuff accomplished. He did without Congress. He did, and with all this, you know, you know what? In war, war is chaos too. You know what? But Trump seems to be able to control chaos to a degree. And yeah. I agree with you. Four years is not enough. It's not enough but time. Like I said, he's got Vivek coming in for eight years right behind him. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. I'm with you on Vivek Ramaswamy yet. I mean, I I I, I hear your arguments. I'm not sure I'm there yet. Um, I got you. You know, but but I, but I would I would like to see somebody who is clearly um, uh, in position to run and win to make it from uh, instead of being four years, turn it into into twelve. And, and some time to clean the clean all of this up because we the the federal the permanent federal bureaucracy has long ago lost any any connection to the idea that they are servants to the American people the the permanent uh, federal bureaucracy sees itself as, uh, as 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 overlords and not servants and that's that's a, one of the things that got Donald Trump elected in the first place is because people here in the heartland know that and they're sick of it. Donald Trump got a lot done. I'm not sure and, – and, and I'll say this about Donald Trump. I think he'll come into office in the second term a lot smarter than he was the first. I don't think he'll make the catastrophically bad personnel decisions he made in term one, the biggest of which being Jeff Sessions for uh, attorney general, which was a, a disastrously bad pick which really set the stage for a whole lot of most of the trouble that took place in term one. Hey, listen, Jeff, good stuff. Appreciate the call. Uh, Jim in Alabama, you're next. What do you say? Boy, I tell you, I kind of follow up on what you've been talking about, and I'm surprised at that. Uh, I I think if we don't straighten out the Justice Department, then it doesn't matter much. I nothing, Trump- nothing. You're right. Nothing matters if you don't get the DOJ straight. If and if we're not a country, really if we're not a country of laws, nothing else matters. And think about what's gone on going back to Hillary. And I don't want to talk about Hillary. I want to talk about the things she stirred up, with the like the FISA stuff. The FISA stuff uh, ruined several people's lives and took down Trump's effectiveness as president because of all the crap he went through. That. And then the Department of Justice, they go out, they've gone after everyone along the way. It, it, 
you know, you, what's going on now. Just the computer system for hunting, for Hunter, that has uh, kept him from getting elected. If it at all came out, the Justice Department covered that up. Well, then now they're getting close to Hunter and Joe. So now the Justice Department's going to indict Hunter so he doesn't testify. And there's a bunch of stuff in between all that that just destroys the Justice Department. And I'm not talking about the locals. I'm talking about from a secretary, uh, what's his name, all the way down. That's where the real problems are, right? You're talking Ray. about Merrick Garland is the, is the um, um, uh, Department of Justice. He's the AG. Um, yeah, and- but, but uh, uh, okay. But anyway, as it comes down, and all these people that uh, have destroyed any uh, opposition, and when uh, we get select who's running for president from both Democrat and Republican, then they're going to go after something major will come up again to destroy whoever is running against. And I don't think it's going to be Joe, but he'll probably run and win the Dallas and then they'll pass it off to someone else. So, well, Jim, Jim, good stuff. Appreciate your call. Um, uh, Gary, Wood County, Texas, close to where I'm sitting right now. What What are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I don't think Joe Biden should be in there. I don't think he should have been in there in the first place. Yeah, but do you think he, do you think he will be the nominee in 2024? Well, that's going to be hard to say because you never know what to expect out of these Democrats, but. And, and and not to say Democrats in general as public, because people in a whole, they know what's right and wrong, okay? Whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Uh, one thing we do know, and I'm, I'm 64 years old, I've watched down through my life all the polished speeches and people not doing what they say they're going to do, and it's all about money and power. But now they got a man that come in there, Trump, that actually did what he said he was going to do and loves this country it's a no-brainer for me and it ought to be a no-brainer for most of the population that you want a man in there that's going to do what he says and do for his country okay but as far as the nominee you never know what to expect out of those people uh i can't say one way or the other but i am for trump because trump is for us and it's very evident what's going on in this country is not right and well, the country, no, I said, said at the top of the hour, the country's not winning. We, we are not winning. And I'm going I'm to tell you, you know, I'm going to make it really personal, Gary. I've got a daughter who's uh, just starting her career. She finished um, the, at Tulane University with a master's in, in finance and accounting. She's well-educated. She graduated with honors. She's well set up. She's working for a big company. She got recruited by that company more than a year before she graduated. And she was given a salary when she was recruited that looked like a lot of money when she was recruited. Between the time she uh, took that offer and the time she went to work, inflation ate up enough of what she was getting paid to where now she's looking at, even though she's being paid an amazing amount of money for a kid just out of college, she's going to be living paycheck to paycheck. And I see that. Yep. You know, and and, right. and and they they bump they they bump the the initial offer up a little bit in recognition of inflation, but not enough to cover the actual inflation because prices are exploding. And if that's happening, it's at a at a at a well educated person out of college at a at a high end starting job. What about people that were all already just barely making it work? And that's why you have so much homelessness 
going on that's, in this country. And, and right that's now. why you have seven out of ten people saying the country's headed in the wrong direction. And that's, that's why right. you have people. That's why you have more than two thirds of America literally living paycheck to paycheck. And that's why you have a shrinking middle class. I can do three hours of talk radio on the importance of the middle class. America invented the middle class. The middle class is what set the nation apart when when you, when the United States began operating under its constitution on March the fourth of. 1789, the poverty rate in the most wealthy, most prosperous, most powerful nation on earth, Great Britain, the poverty rate was 80%. And it is the American middle class that made poverty the exception rather than the rule. If, if you have a shrinking middle class, you have a shrinking country, and you have, you have a country headed in the wrong direction. We are not winning. I don't care who wins the election? I care that the country wins. Hey, I appreciate your call, Gary. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Mark Davis. Oh, <laughs> sitting here, here for Jimmy Fela here on Fox Across America. More of the show coming up. Stay with us. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. It is Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser. Sitting in for Jimmy Fallon, he'll be back tomorrow. Right now, it's you and me at 888-788-9910, Victoria. Millstone, New Jersey, you're up. What do you say? Well, I say that Donald Trump definitely will be the nominee for the Republican uh, Party. Should he be the Uh, nominee? Should he? He will be. be. Should he be? Should he be? You know what? I don't see anyone else that can do what he did. He has a proven record, and I think he will be a lot smarter this time around. He honestly did not think that the, that the Democrats would go after him the way they did. I mean, the, what we're seeing right now is my parents brought me over here from this country, uh, brought me over to this country from, from uh, the former Soviet Union. So what I'm seeing that the Department of Justice is doing, that uh, the FBI is doing, honestly, I feel like I'm back in the USSR. That's a great song, by the way, by the Beatles. But, you know, um, yeah. but I've had other, other Eastern European immigrants say the exact same thing to me, that, uh, that this is reminiscent of things that went on in the Soviet era in, in uh, Eastern Europe where the, the justice system, and you've got to put that in quotes, was actually just an instrument of an oppressive state. And when you, exactly. get to, when you get to the place where the Justice Department is inserting itself into who wins elections and punishing those who, um, who support those that they don't favor with respect to politics, you don't have a justice system anymore, which brings no. me back to what I've been saying. The number one thing that the next president needs to do, and there's plenty on the list, but number one, the number one thing, is to clean out the Department of Justice, fire as many people as you have to fire, prosecute as Absolutely. many people as you have to prosecute, make it clear that you cannot do what has been done uh, for the past six years, seven years. You cannot do that. Agreed with you a thousand percent. Agreed with you a thousand percent. What is happening in Washington right now is just so disgusting. It honestly is just disgusting. These, these, you know, these... Uh, politicians that have been politicians for their whole lives, and you know, after they retire, they're they're billionaires. 
How does someone making $130,000 a year buy a $26 million, you know, mansion or two of them or three of them like Dianne Feinstein? How, well, is how, does, how does Joe Biden have a Rehoboth Beach beach house? I don't know. Because I make, I more, I make well, more money. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll reveal this much about how much money I make. I make more than the vice president of the United States, and I cannot afford a Rehoboth Beach beach house. Because you're not doing a bunch of crooked things. Well, I guess that must be the key. Maybe I need to get crooked because I'm I'm busting my ass here and I can't afford what the guy has. Do some deals with China. Believe me, you'll be able to afford them. (laughs) Well, Victoria, you know, it's interesting. How how old were we when you came over from the USSR? One other thing. Sure, May no I just say one other thing? Yeah, got you know 10, what a lot of seconds. people don't, don't know? When Zelensky was here for the U.N. last time, his wife went into Cartier and spent a million dollars on three pairs of earrings. It's out there on the Internet. The receipt is out there. Yeah, I know. We, we, we know about this. We know about this. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rude to you, Victoria, cut you off. Just real quick, how old were you when you came over from the USSR? Seven. Seven years old. So you do, have, you do have some memory from it. Victoria, great call. More of Fox Across America coming up. After the bottom of the hour, stay with us. It's America's Life Coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy, who will return tomorrow. Jimmy was here in uh, East Texas, from which, from where I'm coming to you, I think it's a grammatically incorrect sentence, but he was here. We had a great time. He met a bunch of listeners. He ate a bunch of ribs. And saw the Cowboys whip up on the Eagles last night. So it was a great weekend for Jimmy. Great day for us. We get to spend time with you here on Fox Across America. Great time for me because I get to spend time with somebody whom I respect a lot. I respect his expertise and his knowledge. It's former U.S. Assistant Attorney Andrew McCarthy, Fox News contributor. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Paul, it's my pleasure. Listen, I want to ask you because I've been as it's starting to get more real. We're 35 days away from the Iowa caucuses. The games start to count. Preseason is over. We're going to have a presidential election year starting right after Christmas, and we have the most unusual of situations. We have a president with a son under indictment and a whole lot of suspicion swirling around him. We have a former president who's on the ballot, who seeks to be on the ballot in, in November, who is under four indictments comprising 91 felony counts. This has never happened before, and I want to just get your expertise on the mechanics of this, and I want to ask, I've got four questions here, hope we can get to this segment. Number one, of those four indictments and those 91 counts, where does Donald Trump have the most actual legal liability? I believe it is in the federal case in Washington involving election interference in connection with 2020. And I say that, Paul, not because it's necessarily the case with the most serious charges. I actually think that's the Mar-a-Lago documents case. But it's the Washington case is the case that's most likely to go to trial. And I think it's the case where Trump may be most likely to be convicted because it's a hostile judge and a hostile jury. So with that combination of things, I think that's easily the greatest threat to him. Okay, um, there is. I've been saying all as I've been filling in here for Jimmy. I've been talking on my own radio station, and been talking particularly to people who are ardent and rock rib Trump supporters. There is no way. I just you cannot envision any way that anybody 
goes 91 for 91 uh, felony counts. The beats 91 out of 91. Somewhere in there you're going to get a conviction if you've got 91 pending against you. Do you agree with that? Not necessarily. Uh, I would agree with it if I thought that all four cases were going to be tried. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen, certainly before Election Day. I don't think how do you think how do you think they how do you think they'll be dealt with in in 2024? Well, I think what will happen is the you know Trump only has so much time on his dance card, right? The um, everybody seems to agree that the federal prosecution in Washington will go first, uh, unless an appeal uh, knocks it out. There's some news about that with respect to the. immunity claim where the prosecutor is now going to the Supreme Court to ask uh, the Supreme Court to expedite consideration of Trump's immunity claim. But the uh, I don't think the federal the state case in Atlanta uh, is is subject to a lot of litigation, including the possibility that it could be moved into federal court at some point. Uh, I don't I don't see that getting to trial, particularly given that the Washington case that I mentioned is supposed to take two to three months to try. And in the meantime, even though this is highly unlikely, the judge in Florida has the um, Mar-a-Lago case scheduled to go to trial May 20th. Nobody realistically thinks that date will hold, but that trial will also take two to three months when it starts. So there just isn't that much calendar time left Mm -hmm. in 2024, especially as you get closer uh, to the election. And I actually think Alvin Bragg is not all that interested in trying the New York case anytime soon because it's such a joke of a case. So it may well, just it, be it, that one of these cases gets to trial. Okay. And Andrew McCarthy, former U.S. Uh, assistant uh, attorney, if it if that happens, when is when would it go to trial? And if it takes two to three months, when do you have an adjudication? So this is very interesting. Um Judge Chutkin in Washington has set a trial date of March 4th. Now, right now, uh, the appellate squabbling over her ruling last week that Trump does not have immunity from criminal prosecution uh, is threatening that trial date, which is why Jack Smith, the prosecutor, is now pushing the Supreme Court to take the case. Trump has appealed her ruling to the D.C. Circuit, and that means the the jurisdiction of the case has been transferred to the circuit court, and until they decide it, the March 4th trial can't happen. I happen to think the circuit court will expedite consideration of the immunity claim and would rule in a way that wouldn't threaten the March 4th date. And the Supreme Court doesn't have to take a review of the case, even if Trump asks or now that uh, Smith has asked. So I think that case could stay on track to go on March 4th, but there's there's some questions about that. If it were to take, Paul, two to three months, uh, let's say Trump were convicted on one or more of the four counts uh, in May of 2024, right. generally speaking, in federal, in federal court, Sentencing takes place three months after the jury verdict, uh, so that would bring us to around August. And if and you're, so you're, you're, seg- would- you're segueing into my next question: What are his post-conviction oh, okay. release conviction conditions? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a, another great question. So, in in federal law, the judge has a lot of leeway to grant bail pending sentence. So that three month period, what what it normally is between verdict and sentence, it's very common for judges to allow the, a defendant who's been convicted to remain at liberty on bail. But the preference in federal court for someone who has been sentenced to a, a sentence that involves a term of incarceration is that that defendant has to be remanded to the custody of the Bureau of Prisons unless the trial judge says that there is some profound appellate issue that is raised by the trial proceedings. Now, the thing is, usually judges don't want to signal to the Court of Appeals that there's been an error in the trial that may require having the conviction reversed. So it's unusual for a judge to make that kind of a finding. If the judge were not to make it and Trump were convicted and sentenced to a term of imprisonment, then the normal thing would be for her to remand him at that time. During a presidential campaign in which he could be elected president. Correct. There's nothing in the Constitution. The only qualifications for the presidency in the Constitution are you have to be uh, 35 or over, a natural-born citizen, and resident in the United States for 14 years. There's nothing in the Constitution that says somebody who is in prison uh, cannot be elected president. So Andrew McCarthy, former U.S. assistant, uh, uh, assistant U.S. attorney, uh, experience in this. What you're saying is sometime in, in late spring, early summer, Donald Trump could be convicted. And, and we've already agreed that the trial judge is not his friend, nor is the jury pool right. in Washington, D.C., his friend. He can be convicted, and he could be remanded to custody, or he could be put under house arrest or something to that effect while his, while his uh, sentencing uh, hearing, the whole sentencing, federal sentencing process is taking place. He's going to file an appeal if he's convicted. I mean, that's that's a given. So you're saying he could be his he could have be severely limited in his movements in the in the the summer leading up to a November election. Yeah, I think it's possible, Paul. I always add the caveat with these questions, and this goes to what you started our segment with here, which is this is such a historically unprecedented set of circumstances that I think anybody who tells you he or she knows what will happen here is either smoking something or uh, has a has a vastly overrated view of their prognostication skills. Right. Um, I don't you know, I think this thing has already had so many crazy twists and turns. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in it next week. So I, I'm very uncomfortable saying, yeah, it's possible that in August, uh, former president and current presidential candidate Trump will be sentenced to federal prison and will have to surrender. Um, but it's possible. Okay. Then, then since you don't know, we're just going to, we're just going to guess. Let's just assume that for the pure sake of discussion, that the man gets elected in November and we still have the Mar-a-Lago trial, <clears throat> the Mar-a-Lago case pending what happens to that case if he's elected president of the United States? I believe the new Republican Justice Department would dismiss the case. Okay. So he would not have to, he wouldn't part, you know, that'd be a big thing. There's a lot of talk about him pardoning himself. Well, can he do part that? Of the, there's nothing in the Constitution that says he can't. Okay. Um, and 
but what I would say is the jockeying about election day and trying to get these cases tried before as opposed to after is mainly about who's going to be running the Justice Department after election day. If right. Trump wins the election, we're going to get a, a, a Republican Justice Department pick, whose attorney general is going to be picked by Trump uh, in January. Um, he won't have to pardon himself on anything in connection with that because the Justice Department will just drop those cases. Which means getting his pick confirmed in the Senate will be hell on earth. Yes. Well, obviously, depending on what happens in the um, in the undercard races, right? Besides the, the you know the down ballot races, besides the uh, presidential and and you know what the Senate looks like, uh, it, it's people optimistically on the right think that the Senate will be in Republican hands next time around. They're not as optimistic, by the way, about the House. No. From what man. I'm understanding, they're optimistic about the Senate. If the Republicans have a Senate majority and they work with Trump. And those things remain to be seen. If Trump gets elected, um, then Trump will be able to get, you know, a reasonable nominee confirmed. And I can't imagine that, given the way the Republican uh, base thinks of the way the, the politicized way that Biden has gone after Trump using the criminal justice system. Uh, I think the politics of that will be in favor of the Justice Department dropping these cases, which a lot of people believe are politicized. I do. All right. So uh, you've been on the inside, Assistant U.S. Attorney Andrew McCarthy, former. You've been on the inside in the time that we have left. I, I have said on countless occasions on this program and others that perhaps the biggest single thing of all the problems facing the country, the biggest single thing is that the you know, the United States citizens, the voters, the public, no longer have faith in the Department of Justice. Do you agree with that, and how do you fix it? I agree that that is a very profound problem. I would probably rate the border ahead of that, but, you know... But if you had a functioning functioning DOJ, you'd probably have a better... probably have better enforcement at the border. Yeah, well, that would would certainly be part of it. But I think, you know, what I'm worried about is that what people who are upset about this want is payback. And the problem with payback is the only way to do payback with politicized law enforcement is is to do... More politicized law enforcement. Was to do what the other the side other was doing, only do it to them right. now, which yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, no. But is, it, is, if you don't have, if you don't have people have the assumption that it's an equal protection system, that it's an even playing field for everyone, then we're not going to have the rule of law. So the only way to stop politicized uh, law enforcement is to stop politicizing law enforcement, and that's a very unsatisfying answer. Well, then how do you to fix a lot it? Of people because they. How do you fix well, it? Well, the other you have to stop Democrats from being elected and running the Justice Department. Yeah, but it, it, Andy, here's my problem: Democrats come and go, Republicans come and go. the The staff at the DOJ stays, and yeah, but we don't. Paul, do you really think we get much politicized prosecution in? Republican-run Justice Departments? I don't. No, I don't think no, that. I don't. I but, I, a, but I think I think yeah. the staff will be waiting there for any any time a Republican gets elected. I think Republicans are no, more no vulnerable. Doubt, but, no doubt, but if you have a strong attorney general, 
um, then they can hold at bay the, the people that you're not in a position to fire at the Justice Department. All right, well, let me, let, let me ask the question. How, how do we get to the place where it doesn't matter who's president at the, D, at the DOJ? Which is kind of, you know, I think people used to think that's where we were. Yeah, I, I think we're a long way away from that because, unfortunately, progressives believe it as part of their arsenal that the Justice Department and the legal system are to be used to advance yeah. their our, our agenda. Tools. And you, you'd have to talk, yeah, and you'd have to talk them out of that, and I don't see that happening. Well, the best thing to do is keep them out of office. That doesn't that doesn't bode well for the republic. It's all very scary stuff. No, nope. and Andrew McCarthy, former U.S. assistant, uh, former assistant U.S. attorney, um, really, really great to have you and some some interesting insight. And I, I I always look forward to getting to talk to you, and I always look forward to having uh, hearing what you say when you're when you're on the air. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Paul. Enjoyed it. All right, Fox Across America continues after the break. I hope you'll stick around. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Taking your calls, 888-788-9910. Bob in Tyler, I've saved two minutes for you. Bob, what do you got? Pleasure speaking to you again, sir. I don't know if you recall this, but we had spoken back in July about almost a similar topic where I had said that we need to look for alternatives because the possibility is it's going to be DeSantis versus Newsom. Do you remember that conversation? I do. So significantly, directly after we had that conversation, they announced there was going to be a red state versus blue state debate. I've never uh, in my life seen them have a debate other than the debates going on to where it wound up being the two candidates that I had already mentioned. That's true, and I watched that debate with great interest, and I thought Sean Hannity did a good job with it. It was fantastic. I liked the way that uh, DeSantis was able to step to the plate, and you could see that everything that Newsom was doing was basically just the same grooming I'd spoke about when he was with Hannity. And he never, so, he never, he never directly answered a question. Never once. Oh no! My wife and I was, sat there and kept, kept score. He never answered a question. But political speech one hundred and one. He did, he did it exactly the way he was supposed to do it. But Bob, I got to tell so, you, DeSantis is not going to be the nominee. I just can't not. see it. He's not. He's he's not, and that's the concern that I have with you is we have to find alternatives because if it winds up going to a national level, DeSantis doesn't cover enough to be able to take the Rust Belt, the East Coast, and the West Coast, so by default, Newsom wins. I'm really hoping that's not the case still, but it seems to be leading more in that direction that that's the possibility that could happen. So you're speaking, your original question— you're, you're speaking as if Newsom is your Democratic nominee. Is that what you're saying? I believe he is going to be because— I think the establishment has already made as much use as they can out of Biden. With that being the case, they're going to try to find a way to ease him out. I never thought he'd last past two years. They were going to call uh, Article 25 on him and try to get him out for mental instability. For the longest time, you never heard anything from anyone, whether it be talk shows, news, or anybody, pointing out his flaws except for on the Republican side. Now, your talk shows— Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm, I'm stepping on you because I'm running out of time. You look at him, and he's just getting worse. Yeah, and it's hard to picture how he makes it all the way uh, uh, to the convention in the in the summer of this year, and then all the way through the November election next fall. It's it's hard to picture, Bob. It's good stuff. That's why I, I posed the original question here on Fox Across America, which will start its third hour coming up after the top of the hour break. I hope you'll stay with us. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Oh, yes, the big third hour of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon kicks off. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy. Jimmy's on his way back to New York. He's in an airplane right now. Headed back to New York City. I'm filling in from uh, KTVB, Tyler Longview, Texas. Jimmy was here over the weekend. It was a banger. We had a big group of people at Texas Music City Grill and Smokehouse uh, for a meet and greet. Jimmy is, of course, promoting uh, his book that will be released will will be released in January. Uh, you want to pre-order it at foxnewsbooks.com. I've seen some excerpts. Going to be great. Uh, and uh, then Jimmy watched uh, with his brother Mike and his son Lincoln watched the Cowboys put a big hurt on the Philadelphia Eagles last night at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. So big weekend for Jimmy and a big weekend for us. Big Monday for you and me at 888-788-9910. I'm taking your calls. want to know what's on your mind about uh, the, the, the simple fact that 35 days from now, preseason is over, the political season the games start to count. Iowa caucuses take place 35 days from right now. We're in the game. And we have a, an ailing, feeble, beset, highly unpopular, highly unsuccessful Joe Biden, who's looking like he's the nominee for re-election for the Democrats. And we have uh, Donald Trump, who has legal woes from multiple fronts, Uh, prosecutions that could wind up in convictions even before he takes office, as Andrew McCarthy explained to us. He's in first position for the Republican nomination. Never been like this before, ever in American politics. We're completely new territory. What do you think about all of that? 888-788-9910. Jim, Galva, Illinois, what's on your mind? What do you think? Yes, uh, I'm talking about the Republican nomination. Yeah. Uh, I think they should look for someone other than Trump, you know, for a number of reasons, I guess. Uh, One, he doesn't play fair. And two, he was a sore loser. And he's he's kind of unfit, really, for the job with it. So... Well, now let's let's, let's take that a little bit of time. First of all, did, did you vote for him in 2020 or 2016? No. Who'd you vote for in those elections? Uh, I voted for the independents. Okay. Which is to say, basically, you cast no vote because the problem right. with the in- I mean, that's, yeah. that's casting no vote. Yeah, I, I, I realize that now, yeah. So, um, yeah. so, let me, Jim, just to kind of you know, flesh out this discussion, which way do you lean? Do you lean left or do you lean right? Well, I would vote for the best candidate, really, and not one way or the other. That's why well, no, no, that's, a, no, but that's you, you know. Yeah, that's the way I used to try and vote. Okay, all right. Now, so let's I go. Guess. Let's go prior to 2016. Let's go back uh, to mm-hmm. 2012. Mitt Romney uh, versus uh, Barack Obama. Who'd you vote for in that election? I voted for Obama. You voted for Obama. So let's. It's fair to say. Let's go back to 2008. McCain and Obama. Did you vote for Obama in that election? Yes. Okay, so let's say it's fair to say you lean left. Yes. Okay. Probably. Okay. All right. Um, take what you take what you said there that uh, that Trump's a sore loser. Okay, I'll yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, what was the second criti- criticism? Uh, he, he said he didn't play fair. He didn't. He didn't play fair. Well, listen, if there's a guy that has, that has, knows about not playing fair, it's Donald Trump because look what was done to him. You talk about not playing fair. 
I mean, creating, uh, alleging crimes out of total whole cloth and, and, and weaponizing the Department of Justice and the FBI to go after those crimes as if they were real when all involved knew they weren't. How much more unfair can you get? Well, they've got to have some facts and some evidence to bring an indictment. They, d- they didn't have you know, they had the Russia collusion thing. They had nothing. They had no facts. Nothing. Which one? The Russia collusion hoax that, that bedeviled his, his presidency for three years. With. Huh? He's charged with trying to steal on the Yeah, but, but, but you're, talking about, you're talking about unfair. I think if you're going to talk about unfair, look at a man who has been treated unfairly. Because that, that is unfair. Yeah. I mean, he, that, it was grossly unfair. And you say unfit. You know, I'm going to challenge you on that, Jim. From a policy point of view in, 20, in, in 2016 through 2020, um, 2017 through 2021, the term of office, um, multiple policy triumphs. Inflation was low. Unemployment was low. Employment. Labor participation rate was at was at record highs. The um, the unemployment rate among Black Americans the lowest ever recorded. The first gains in in real inflation adjusted income by the middle class in more than thirty years. We had we started no new wars. We didn't have any new wars start. The uh, the a, a belligerent North Korea was made to settle down. ISIS was uh, was effectively eliminated. He had a lot of policy successes in his four years in office. And the deficit was out of control. Now, I'll give terrible. you that. I'll give you that. But let's yeah. tell you what that is. You talk about a bipartisan issue. The deficit is a bipartisan issue, no doubt. Yeah. The deficit when, uh, when Trump took... Just yeah, well... budget and stick with it. Well, and, we, you know, we, we don't do that. Not go over the budget, yeah. The deficit in twenty six yeah. deficit in twenty sixteen when 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 Trump took office was nineteen and a half trillion dollars. In twenty twenty it was twenty six almost twenty seven trillion dollars. Now it's thirty four trillion dollars. So so you what are you up? You're getting close to doubling the deficit just in two administrations. You're you're moving in that direction. And I will. I'll be. I was at the time critical of Trump with respect to his management of, of the budget and the deficit. I was critical of the Congress during that time, and that is a policy area in which I did not agree with Donald Trump. But taken all around, he had more policy victories than he had policy um, uh, defeats. He, from a policy point of view, hmm. Trump, was, Trump had a I successful presidency. Have more candidates with more integrity than Trump. You know, there's a lot of good candidates that they have out there that they could have that you know, would be more honest and have more integrity than Donald Trump. Well, well, let me give you some credit here, Jim. The fact that you were a left-leaner and listened to this show speaks well of you. It means you, you, that would suggest you have an open mind. So I led off the show with who will be the nominee and who should be the nominee. Those are two questions. Who do you think should be the nominee for both parties? Right now I'm probably leaning towards Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley for the Republicans, who should be the nominee for the Dems? I think uh, Biden should be. Okay, you think Biden should be renominated, even though he is? Uh, let's. You, do you disagree that he looks like he's badly diminished? Well, I think that's way overrated. He's only what <laughs> three years older than Trump. 
Yeah, you know, just, the age, age is not the issue. Just look, to, uh, uh, tell you what, Jim, before I'm going to let you go, but, but, tell, but just do this. It's a great exercise. Go grab, go on YouTube and grab a video from, uh, from the 2008 campaign when uh, Joe Biden, in any appearance that Joe Biden made in 2008 during the uh, uh, first Obama campaign, and look at him now and tell me that he is not in rough shape compared to then. I mean, yeah. it, it's really he stark. He does have a speech problem and a speech impediment that he used. Yeah, because I don't, think his, I don't think his, his, I don't think his brain is working the way it should. Jim, good stuff. I appreciate your call, and I appreciate the fact you listen to the show. That opens up a line, 888-788-9910. Michael, Kingsport, Tennessee, what say you? Paul, I love it when you're on the radio, buddy, and uh, I love your topics and how you approach the different callers and guests. So good job. Uh, well, glad I really, to talk to you today. I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's, you know, I mean, like, when I do this show, it's such a departure from the way Jimmy does it that I'm afraid I'm leaving people disappointed. So nice, <laughs> nice to hear you say that. Well, yeah, but y'all can't y'all can't fool me. Uh, he just couldn't make bail in Texas. That's why he's not. No, there, listen, so, I'm, wi- you know, I'm wired. I'm out. wired here. We got him right out. It was in and out. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked up here, man. So it took no time to get him out. And I think the whole thing's just going to get shoved in a drawer and forgotten. So there's good news there. <laughs> and your segment with Miranda Devine, she is one of my heroes in the uh, field of journalism. So thanks for having her on. I can't get enough of that lady. She Always, knows what she's doing. Uh, one of the perks of filling in on this show is I get to talk to Miranda Devine. And it, uh, I absolutely agree with you. So what's on your mind today, um, Michael? Well, look. Being an old person, I can say this, but I hope next year is our last election full of old people, Paul. I'm tired of all these old people running. We need fresh new blood across the board on both sides. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think I think you're right, and I you know, and I think it's time for the you're, if you're old enough to remember the the Kennedy uh, inauguration speech, where he says the torch has been passed. I think if it's time for the torch to be passed again. Um, the strong evidence it won't be this time. This, this is frankly why I'm completely surprised by how poor um, the results have been and just how poorly Ron DeSantis has shown since he, um, since he officially declared his candidacy. He has gone well, down in the polls every week since he declared. He was stronger, the, he was stronger on the day he declared than he is now. Yeah. Well, this I think uh, I think this uh, uh, this cycle has been great uh, a great lesson for him. We haven't seen the last of Ron, uh, at least I hope not. And he his his time will come. Uh, but I so appreciate you mentioning the Democrat super delegates because you're asking who's going to be the Democrat nominee. Uh, it's going to be Trump for the Republicans, you know, unless something just uh, meteoric happens. But for the Democrats, you don't know, and you you touched on it. It could be anybody. It could be Michelle Obama, for all we know, because you know what what the Democrat Party wants is what matters, not really what the people want. So yeah, who knows who's going to be the Democrat? Well, that's the person, thing. Right? The, the, the Democrats are so much more efficient because they don't have to get themselves all bogged down in like voting. 
and, and democracy <laughs> and things. They can they can just simply decide what they want and make it happen. And they, that's the whole reason they have this this super delegate. Um, a mechanism that they have in their nominating process. And as I said at the top of the show, if that's not enough, they'll create double secret superdelegates. They're going to get what they want. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned two-thirds of this country living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, it's my contention that there's so many people in this country that, that are just worried about putting food on the table, keeping a roof over their head. They may listen to the news for 10 minutes a day. So whatever they hear, they kind of go with. So this, it's the low-information voter that the Democrat Party relies on. I think most Republican voters kind of know what's up, but not with the Democrats, and that's what scares me, Paul. It's not even the enough Democrat. of those people. Michael, it's not the Democrats, because the Democrats are going to be Democrats. The thing that scares me with low information are the independents, the people in the middle, the reasonable people that, if they're properly informed, will largely make the right choice. And the problem is, as you just pointed out, they don't have enough information to be properly informed, which goes to the fact that we don't have in this country a properly functioning fourth estate, the fourth estate, the only, the only line of endeavor that is specifically protected by the Constitution. And the, and the fourth estate, I mean the media, we used to call it the press, not doing its constitutionally protected job of keeping people informed. Because I believe that if people are informed, they, the American people, will by and large do the right thing. But I, I have with friends in my wife's in my circle that only barely at this point and, and didn't had nothing, no knowledge prior, but only barely now are kind of aware of the Hunter Biden laptop story. But they don't they don't really have a lot of detail about it and they knew nothing about it in November of twenty twenty. Zero. Nothing. Well, I've said for years they don't really dig too deep. They don't ask too many questions because once you start asking questions and realizing things, the house of cards falls. Comes tumbling so down. Michael, really... I've, got to, I've got to jump. But listen, it's a great call. I appreciate it. And I'm going to, I'm going to save this tape and telling me how good I didn't play it for my wife and see if it cuts any ice with her. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. All right, take care. More of the show coming up after the break. Stay with us. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Fox Across America poll lines are sending in for Jimmy Fallon. Wanting to hear from you, 888-788-9910. Also wanting to hear from you at my weekly column, youtellmetexas.com. I say what's on my mind, invite you to say what's on yours. It's a two-way street. You tell me, Texas.com, and no, you don't have to be from Texas. You tell me from wherever you are. Meanwhile, we're going to let Bob in Idaho Falls tell me and tell you. Bob, what's on your mind? Uh, hello, Paul. Uh, I uh, was in the military, and I once swore an oath to defend our Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic. And I do believe that Donald Trump, is the one that's going to only one that's capable of saving our republic in this war that we have, cultural, political, economic that we have with the left. Bob, let me let me I jump let, let me jump in because we I want to make sure we hear all of this out. And we don't have that much time. If we're down to only one person can save the republic, the republic's already lost. Uh, 
if we're going to save the republic, if it takes one person, then we'll. But if we're down to only, if we're down to only one guy can do it. If we're down to the out of three hundred thirty million, if we're down to only one guy, I want you to examine that proposition. We're we're in such such deep trouble. What happens when his four years are up? If you're down to one guy. Well, it depends on how uh, good a job that one guy can do to at least help turn things around. We are in deep trouble, and we are surrounded by all kinds of problems. But yes, to we say are. That, that there's no way out is to basically to lay down and let the bear eat you. No, I, I'm, I just want to. Uh, we're we're kind of saying the same thing. I think you know. I think yeah. Donald Trump it was his genius. His secret power was the ability to take things that are fairly complex and distill them into such a way as the American people in the heartland woke up and realized just how badly we were getting screwed and we needed yep. to we needed to shake things up. That was his superpower and it was very effective. The at the time that he ran and he still has that superpower. He's the only one that's really informing us despite the media and in his own way and with his lawyers, he's getting the word out to us through you and through other radio people, despite the media's efforts. And he has basically told us, given us a roadmap, saying that on the first day that he is going to basically help our economy and start to address the deficit in our economy by drilling baby drill and to closing the border. And, and he would further do a lot of good in the four years by beginning to fire those people yeah. that you have are. control over the agencies of. Ah, Bob, yeah. you I don't want to don't want to dump on you, but your your cell phone broke up. So let me let me let me wrap up Bob's thought. I'm, Trump is those things, but I'm going to share with you this story before we go to the break at the bottom of the hour. I was uh, what it's been two months ago now. I was at a, a private luncheon here in East Texas with Governor Ron DeSantis. He was here raising money. And Ron DeSantis is very strong on closing the border. And Ron DeSantis uh, gets you know the the problem with the permanent federal bureaucracy. And Ron DeSantis is a guy who who gets it. So we've got a guy. He just can't seem to run a campaign that will work. But there are other guys who understand. Donald Trump has blazed the way for some uh, for some change if we can take advantage of it. More of the shows coming up. Stay with us. Reality. With a bit of insanity, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are in the home stretch, the last half of hour three. Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon and um, talking about a lot of stuff. We're going to shift gears here now. We've got Tudor Dixon, who if the, if the world were to be set right, would be the governor of Michigan today. She ran against Gretchen Whitmer and lost, but Tudor... Thanks for being on board. Thanks for being a contributor to the show. I want to ask you something that would have been under your purview had you won the uh, the election. Thanks for coming on board. Thank you for having me. Listen, um, one I've said one of the biggest problems we have in the country today is that nobody trusts the Department of Justice. Another huge problem that we have in the country, massive problem, is that the public education system is failing in a huge way. I want to I want to play you a piece of audio from uh, Levin's, Mark Levin's show last night talking about college administrators, and I want to talk to you about what that means in, in state universities. It's cut 23. Go, guys. Now that's broken down completely. The radicals are in charge, and the radicals are, have seized control of the appointment committees for administrators. So now college administrators, whose job was quality control, they're now, in fact, quite different. 
they're now, they're now, their job now is to protect the radical faculty. They are extensions of the radicals. So that anyone who says to you, well, why don't we have the administrators get a grip of this situation? No, no, no. The, those administrators are creatures of the radicals now. They're licensed by the radicals to protect the radicals. Tudor, we uh, we saw the, the the abysmal performance of uh, UPenn's Liz McGill and Harvard's Claudine Gay, and M MIT Sally Kornbluth in in front of the uh, the House Committee on Education and the Workforce, where they basically could not bring themselves to say that uh, that anti-Semitism is um, is unacceptable on their on their campus. They certainly say that racism against black people was, but but anti-Semitism against Jews, no, they couldn't get themselves there. Liz McGill's been fired. You have these idiot kids on campus that can't find Israel on a map, saying from the from the uh, river to the sea, not knowing which river or which sea. Your assessment of the state of public education there in Michigan is that a problem at the University of Michigan? I think it's a problem at all of our universities right now and this is we're just now seeing how extreme it is but this is something that we've been saying for a long time these universities for a long time have been discriminating seriously discriminating against asian students asian students stood up and said these these universities are racist they're horrible we we are the ones that are doing all the studying so hard, we're getting the good grades, and we're getting passed over. This is the same thing happening to white students. And then suddenly they start attacking female students and putting females on the sidelines. And everybody kept saying, these universities are out of control. No, no, no. They're fine. They're fine. Look away. There's nothing to see here. And then suddenly we have a hearing where Elise Stefanik says, can you tell me if calling for genocide is outside of the code of conduct for, at your university, and the seems straight seems straightforward. Doesn't it seem straightforward to you? So much so, and and to hear them say, well, it depends on the context. What I mean, do you not know the definition of genocide? What is that even supposed to mean? And the, you can hear the gasp across the country. People are like, what happened? Hey, we've been telling you this is happening. Now you're just actually seeing that the presidents are willing to say, well, well, I mean, we're okay with anti-Semitism. We're okay with racism. We're okay with this to a certain point. I mean, why would you tell us to ratchet it back? Come on, what? What if, what if it had been a, what if it had been KKK? Would they have been able to, to bring themselves to say that was in violation? I, that, this is the part I don't understand. And all of these schools have... We're all about diversity and equity and inclusion, unless you happen to be a child of Abraham and wear a yarmulke. Look, you're seeing people who are part of the elite, the most elite universities in the country. These are supposed to be some of the best educated. These are supposed to be some of the top of the, the, the cream of the crop educators and students. And yet they are so manipulated by the destabilization coming from China, coming from these outside countries that are forcing these messages into our kids' brains through these apps like TikTok. And I'm not kidding. I mean, for those of you who think that this is conspiracy, the smartest people in the country are stupid enough to believe in the brainwashing coming through TikTok, and yet you only have a few of our folks in government who are saying, why are we letting the Chinese control the minds of our young people? And, and when you bring it up, people go, I mean, come on, really? Yes, really. This has this big of an impact. Even presidents of some of our top universities are stupid enough to fall for it. 
Well, you know, Ron DeSantis took a lot of uh, incoming fire uh, for, for action that he has taken uh, at, at, at state universities in Florida with respect to uh, curtailing uh, diversity, equity, inclusion offices for, with respect to anti-American curriculum, with respect to speech codes, and a whole lot of things that he's done. Um, here's what... Here's the thing that I've said, that there's really no such thing as a private university in this country um, because the you know, the public schools, University of Texas, University of Michigan, University of Florida, they take state money, take taxpayer money, but so does Harvard, so does Southern Methodist University, so does uh, Tulane University. Go down the list, pick a, uh, pick a private school because they take uh, federal money in the form of student loans, student loan guarantees, and federal grants. So there is no such thing really as a private university, it's our money. Why can't we control it? There is not a single university in this country that if they were told that their federal grants were being taken away, that wouldn't wet their pants a little bit. That is a fact. I think it would be exactly a flood right. in the and case of some of them. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and Ron DeSantis is truly one of the only candidates who can stand up and say, hey, I've been the one that has said, you do this. I yanked the money. I'm serious about this. We're taking our country back. And that's something that you don't hear him talk about enough, I don't think. I think that he should be out there saying, listen, I'm the one that's going to stop this. I'm the one that said you can't discriminate against the Asian population. I'm the one that says you can't discriminate against women. I'm the one that's been saying this. And really, if you look at the corruption of this country, that's where it's starting. So you have to have somebody who's willing to say, if you do this, I'm going to I'm going to poke you where it hurts and that's going to be in your pocketbook and that's coming from my you know government hands and our taxpayer dollars and the taxpayers today are saying guess what we're not on board with this con artist scam some anti-semitism Well here he is uh, saying just that with respect to Harvard a uh, cut 22 uh, we lost Tudor Dixon Well I wish we hadn't lost Tudor Dixon when she just dropped off that funk you heard was Tudor Dixon dropping off? We'll try to get her back on. But anyway, meanwhile, here is Ron DeSantis um, talking about uh, university endowments and the fact that they are not taxed, which is an effective infusion of federal dollars into private universities. Cut 22. So the question is, uh, would I be willing to tax the endowments of schools like Harvard? And the answer is yes, I would. They're basically hedge funds with a little bit of academics on the side. I mean, this is tens and tens of billions of dollars endowments. And, um, but I think it's a larger issue. So yes, larger issue with higher education is what we've seen, these presidents the other day up there, all the Hamas stuff that we've seen, uh, there's a real sickness and rot in academia, particularly a lot of these private universities. Uh, and this has been going on for a long time, but it's gotten a lot worse. Uh, Tudor Dixon is back with us. What she was, what you missed while we were reestablishing the the uh, the call there, Tudor, is that Ron DeSantis has said he would tax the endowments of uh, of private universities. We all, they all operate uh, tax exempt. Your thoughts on that? 
I think there's got to be a time when we have people that are going to step in and say things like this, especially, I mean, even when we look at the banks that have been debanking people, we've got, there are a few times when government needs to step in and protect the people. For the most part, we want government to stay out of things as much as possible. But when you see that certain groups in the population are being attacked, belittled, or have things taken away from them by radicals, like we're seeing with the radical left, that's when you expect your government to step in and say, we're not going to allow this kind of discrimination and so when i hear him saying things like that i think why isn't he making these these statements known on a wider scale why isn't he saying this about banks i want to hear him say we're not going to allow banks to discriminate against people and say hey because of your political viewpoint we're going to debank you we need government officials who stand up to the people who have decided that they will cut out certain demographics of the population and crush them this is this is pure and simple it's racism Tudor Dixon's joining is joining us here. You know, you know, Tudor, here's the thing: you get parents that are putting up, you know, basically uh, reducing their retirement comfort to put up the money to send kids for two, three, four hundred thousand dollars off to college, or borrowing ruinous amounts of money to do the same thing, and you, uh, yet you have kids that graduate not knowing anything. They, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I read something over the weekend where they asked these kids that are saying from the river to the sea, Palestine will be, Palestine will be free, and, they, and the, you ask them what river, what sea, they don't know. You ask them to point to Gaza on the map, they don't know. They, they, they're ignorant when they are informed of what it really means. They said, you know, it wipes out 7 million people. It just gives them no right to live. Their opinions change. So the, all of that to say that for all this money, the goal of education is not being accomplished. Of course, right, exactly. And that's why a lot of parents have started to say, well, how can I find, I look so hard for my child for a values-based education from K through 12. How can I find that? for a university as well. I think that's really an important transition that we're seeing in the country where people have poured so much into K through 12 and they think, okay, we've created that foundation. We're going to send them someplace and they're going to take that foundation with them. But remember, these are children that are just finally, these are the final steps of maturing into an adult. In those final stages, you have a lot of manipulation going at along at these universities where they're not teaching them education, they're teaching them activism. And so, you know, in Michigan, we have a university called Cornerstone University, and they're trying to get their name out there so people understand, not only is your child going to learn here, but they're gonna come out with the same values they went in with. Well, in the in the time that we have left, I mean, if you, I don't know what, you have, you have kids, I don't know what age they are, you just mentioned them. How far along in school are they? I've got a I've got two fifth graders. I have a seventh grader and a freshman in high school. Okay, one, two, three, four kids, and and you're looking at over a million dollars if you go worth of worth of private. <laughs> really, it's a million bucks if they all Why go to private school. <laughs> if they all went to private school, it's over a million dollars. It would cost you to educate those kids. You know, I think what if anything good. My dad used to tell me some good comes of everything, son, and I think the the good that has come from the the chaos that we have seen in the past three years on so many levels 
um, and, and 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 now this this horrific conflict between Hamas and Israel. If any good has come of it, it has caused us to see what's really going on in um, in in higher education. So that with an informed public, maybe some informed decisions will get made, and and parents will say, well, wait a minute. I got a million dollar liability in the form of my four kids I have to educate. What am I going to get for that? There's a value proposition question taking place. I hope that's the case. I think we always have to say God has a plan in all things, and we are to see what his plan is and to do good works with that plan. And in this, I I agree, in this situation, people have seen, wow, this is really taking a turn. And, And it goes beyond that. It goes beyond higher education. Think about the United States in general. If the United States falls, no one else is coming to save the rest of the world. We have always been the world leader, and we have to protect that place in the world. And to do that, we have to understand the dangers of the radicals that come in. And in this case, it's the radical left that is trying to destabilize the country. And we have to come back and say, okay, we have to preserve what this is, where you can be free, where you can be free to worship, where you can be free to experience whatever religion you want, where you can be free to be educated, to to be a woman and have a career to be a homosexual. Freedom is very important. That is all available here in the United States. And the radical left would let you believe that you should give all of that up so that you can be under the control of some communist dictator. You know, and the thing is, what what is not taught in school, what is taught in school to a overtaught are the sins of America's founding as if anything comprised of human beings could ever be free of sin. And of course, is slavery. And, you know, my daughter just finished college last uh, December, just coming up on a year ago. And, you know, she played back stuff that she was being being told in, in, in on campus. And I'd say, yeah, America is flawed. It is filled full of human beings. It will always be flawed because humans are flawed. But what they don't teach, Tudor, is that, um, that no nation in history has lifted more people out of poverty and freed more people from the bonds of, uh, of slavery, from the, from, the, from the chains of bondage, than the United States. We, has, there's never been a bigger force for good in the world than this country. The beauty of the flaws of the United States is that we wouldn't know how bad things could be had we not learned from our mistakes and made it better. And every single day, this country works to make sure that there is fairness, that there is equal opportunity, that people are able to achieve the American dream. And as soon as you start to chip away at those times, at those abilities and those opportunities to have the American dream, then you are going back to a sinful, flawed nation. And that is the direction that people who would like to focus on, well, we did this once, those are that's the direction you're going back to what they don't see is you're actually going back to that if you focus on that if you don't look at it where we've come from there then you're missing the whole point Tudor dixon great stuff uh hope you have a wonderful holiday season thanks for being a part of the program today thank you so much there she goes the great Tudor dixon here we go more of the show coming up after the break stay with us the show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle he's the other side's worst nightmare this is fox across america with jimmy Fallon. bottom of the ninth here on fox across america paul glider sitting in for jimmy Fallon. jimmy will be back tomorrow he is on way on his way back to new york having just been in east texas we had a great time with jimmy saturday here where i'm not far from where i'm sitting in Tyler, Texas, at um, the Texas Music City Grill and Smokehouse, Jimmy met a whole bunch of East Texans, and 
of the, what a kind and decent guy because he talked to everybody. And there's a lot of big-time celebrities that wouldn't do it and wouldn't spend that much time with listeners. Jimmy's the kind of guy that will, and it, it really reflects well on on this program and on, on its host. Jimmy did a great job, and then he got, they got to watch the uh, Cowboys put a big hurt on the, uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles. But thanks to Jimmy, he can't hear me right now, but thanks to Jimmy for, uh, for the, uh, his graciousness in being here in East Texas uh, Saturday and, um, and taking time to meet everybody. It was really, really great. Jimmy will be back tomorrow. As we to wrap up the show, we just want to, you know, real simple, I just want the country to win. Like this whole show is about the country winning. We're all on the same team. We want to win. We want secure borders. We want a strong military that can defend us and defend our allies. We want strong education so that that the next generation of, of, of young Americans who comes along have the have the educational tools they need in order to succeed and, and to continue the progress of the greatest nation in the world. We want fiscal responsibility. We want to not spend ourselves into the poorhouse, making our com- country, um, um, our, our currency worthless. We want all these things, and I don't care who wins the election as long as America wins that's the thing we want. Hey, thanks, uh, Justin and uh, and Mike back in New York for uh, keeping things going. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back uh, later this month when Jimmy's gone. It's been a great day. Thanks for thanks for being here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.